Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, Jeffrey Kleintop from Charles Schwab joins us to discuss the election. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello and welcome to the Money Beat podcast. I'm Stephen Grosser, joined in the studio with Corey Drebush and Ben Eisen. And we have a special guest, Jeffrey Kleintop, Chief Global Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab. And if you have, since we were last with you, it was pre-election. And if you haven't noticed, a lot has changed since then. Uh, the Republicans have uh, swept the presidency and both houses of Congress. And the markets... Uh, Reaction was I don't think I think it took a lot of people by surprise, especially given that the stock futures overnight were down eight hundred points I think or close to eight hundred points, close and to nine hundred, close to nine hundred, and we finished <laughs> close to three hundred, um, you know, uh, Wednesday after uh, Wednesday at the close. Um, Jeffrey, what what is what is your take on what happened? I mean, I think a lot of us were just you know sort of taken aback because of that huge you know swing. The Brexit lesson was well learned by investors. I think that maybe the first gut check reactions probably not the right one, or maybe not the best one for their portfolios. If I think back to Last time we had kind of a political surprise in the U.S., back in 2011, the big debt ceiling debacle. Stocks fell. It took them three months to get back to their, their pre-event level. With Brexit, it took three days. This time, it took three hours. Maybe with the Italian referendum, it'll take three minutes. <laughs> uh, markets are moving very quickly, and investors are, are maybe wise to sit back and sleep on it. Since the election, and you saw you saw this take hold on Wednesday, you saw utilities, which had been you know performed well all year, People sold those. Uh, bank stocks are roaring. Uh, you know what is why this sort of switch? What are people sort of? What is the market sort of making the bet on? Yeah, the inflation's the, the common denominator. Potentially higher interest rates, and it comes from a few different things. One is if we do get more um, fiscal spending in the form of infrastructure spending, that could be a boost to the economy. Could help to drive inflation. Um, there's also questions about. What happens at the Fed? Uh, how politicized does the Fed get? And, and what does that mean for interest rates? And then you've got this this backdrop of uh, uh, of an environment, questions on trade policy, and you don't know if, if indeed tariffs do come into place. Does that help push up inflation? Because import prices will be higher in the U.S. All of that has steepened up the yield curve a little bit and helped the banks, which now make a little bit more on their loan spreads. But of course, it's also worked as a negative for those bond surrogates like the utility sector. Yeah. Let's get into the sort of trade because you were out with a paper. Was it today or yesterday? Mm -hmm. um, sort of talking and breaking down. You know, there's a lot of obviously uncertainty um, uh, regarding that. How is he going to impose the 35 and 45 percent tariffs on Mexico and China, or is he going to? You know, or is it going to be something less than that? Um, what do you see sort of happening, and how much of an impact do you see that having on the U.S. economy? Well, the only thing we know about trade is that the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, is DOA, dead on arrival, not happening. And so that's the only thing we're sure of. Other than that, you've got to go to maybe Trump's website, and you can look through what his actual sort of in black and white proposals on trade are. Nowhere is a 35% tariff or 45% tariff on, on China mentioned. Uh, instead, I think Trump has referred to 
Reagan's use of, of some of these very short-term, very targeted tariffs during the Reagan administration as a model, as a, as a way of negotiating to, to get maybe um, some countries to, to uh, work with us on a more fair platform of, of global trade. I think that's the more likely course that this is going to take, which means it's probably not nearly as onerous as some may fear, although the market doesn't seem to be fearing it at all at the moment. Yeah. I mean, it seems like since the election, the market has sort of looked at this and they've seen, okay, we have a House and a uh, Senate that are in Republican control. They're looking at deregulation and lower taxes. And on the other hand, you have Trump who's, you know, in his acceptance speech spoke about a fiscal stimulus. That, and they're running with that. I mean, you see a lot of the sectors up. You look at the healthcare sector. A lot of the stocks that sort of drug pricing stocks, uh, pharmaceuticals, um, are getting a nice run. Whereas companies that have benefited from uh, Obamacare are getting hit. You, you you sort of see a breakdown of winners and losers. And I was wondering if you could sort of talk about that and the underlying uh, reasons um, over the last couple of days that you know we have seen such a breakdown and who the winners and losers are. Sure. Well, financials have done well with that steeper yield curve we talked about. The uh, the healthcare sector has done well on the idea that maybe there wouldn't be price controls for pharmaceuticals and, and maybe things a little easier for biotech. We've seen also um, the industrial sector yeah. perform well. And by the way, this isn't just a U.S. phenomenon. These sectors have led around the world. And maybe the common denominator is that perhaps, uh, you know, you talked about all of Congress now, all of Washington in the hands of one party. The margin is narrow, particularly in the Senate. So the actual infrastructure bill that comes through may not be as wide as or as big as, as some may be hoping, but it could be the thin end of the wedge for many other countries, notably Japan, for example, to really roll out a big infrastructure program as well. So this could be a global phenomenon helping to drive that sector for some time. You know, one thing that's interesting um, is just... I mean, as you already mentioned, just how fast the market has moved in all of this, where, you know, we're sitting here discussing what are the possibilities for this or what are that? And, and you know, maybe we have a little more certainty about uh, what a Trump presidency will mean than a day or two or three ago. But none of this has actually happened yet. And, and the markets are already sort of pricing in the fact that it has. Um, you know, to that extent, what, what do you think this this is setting the market up for? Is there is there a sense that we could be disappointed I think if, if investors are expecting that this is a steady trend to the upside, they will be disappointed. I think the trend is to the up and the down and the up and the down. You know, we saw these sectors suffer in the days ahead of the election as, uh, you know, the head of the FBI came out and with the announcement that they wouldn't be pursuing uh, an investigation. I think you saw healthcare um, sell off a little bit. You saw traditional energy sell off. You saw a financial sell off. They've now rebounded. That's volatility in and of itself. And so we've gotten that rebound. I don't think it's a trend. I think the trend instead is the one we've seen in place all year, which is the up and the down. It is definitely an optimism trade, uh, kind of believing it seems the best of of n- kind of picking through all the policies. And even if it is going to be up and down, it does also seem like we've had a real rotation going on. And yes, two days is not that long, but look at tech or some of these sectors that have done really well for the past eight years that now it seems are getting all sold across the board. Do you think that we, yeah, that we are seeing a real rotation or is this just a two day reaction and come Monday people will have thought about it over the weekend and we're going to be seeing another whole swing of things? It's very early. And I think that we all have to, um, take a little bit of a breath. I mean, this out- election outcome was a surprise. And to try and extrapolate from it 
here's what it's going to mean for the next 12 months, and these sectors will win and these will lose. Way too early to figure that out. We just don't know how Trump governs is still a very big unknown. The market, as you say, has chosen to select to a few aspects of, of Trump's proposals, notably the one he mentioned is an acceptance speech. But there are other elements as well that may not as, be as favorable for financial markets and may even undermine some of the trends in some of the sectors we've seen rally. So again, that takes me back to this story of volatility and maintaining a diversified asset allocation. Corey, it's interesting that you brought up tech, which, as you mentioned, did so well over the last eight years. And the eight, last eight years are sort of uh, the eight years of the Obama presidency. And I mean, some of the some of the trading that's gone on sort of has the feel of selling the Obama presidency, just sort of reversing all of the things that we've seen do well over the past uh, eight years. Like if you look in, in the bond market uh, and just how much rates have fallen since uh, Obama became president, um, you know, now we're seeing uh, bond yields uh, go back up again. So, I mean, how much of of this really is just sort of taking what we've done for the past eight years and kind of flipping it on its head? Well, it's a fascinating point, and, and maybe some of that has run its course after such a long period of time. From a global perspective, the U.S. stock market trades like one big tech stock. Yeah. It is dominated by the <laughs> tech sector. So if this is the end for tech, you know, the last three, five, eight years, which has been great for technology, and by the way, it's led to U.S. stock market outperformance of the rest of the world, could that be ending? If financials begin to lead, financials are a huge overweight in Europe, in Japan, the rest of the world's overweight financials. Could be a turnaround. You know, we think about this as the pro-American, you know, president and, and a shift from, from maybe a softer stance in America's role in the world to, to a stronger one. And yet at the same time, it may coincide with a reversal in America's relative performance in the stock market. I think that's a good place to uh, take a break. We'll be right back. This message comes from Viking committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Bee Podcast. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcast and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and look for us on Google Play Music app on your Android devices. Um, I want to get back to the point of um, just, you know, this idea that – because the inflation trade, there are also some weird sort of things like gold, for example – What's <laughs> if you're expecting? I mean, I guess people are expecting rates to rise, but also, like, if you're expecting inflation, you'd think that gold would have benefited from that. But gold hasn't really moved in that and sort of you know the time point while money is flooded into dips. Um, it, you know, there's sort of weird things like that happening in the market. I mean, do you have any thoughts on <laughs> what we're seeing there? Well, it might be that the dollar is the common denominator okay. there as the dollar has strengthened that sort of weakened, uh, you know, gold, obviously, um, uh, you know, an alternative to. To, to the dollar as a currency. So that's been a little bit of an offset. 
and and the currency thing has been interesting, right? Huge moves in the Mexican peso, yeah. um, huge moves in, in 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 the yen that then turned around very quickly, uh, and so interesting to see this is actually playing into the hands of um, the European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan as they worried about too much strength in their currency. This is now a little bit of of what their central banks couldn't do. So to some extent, Trump has done uh, Kuroda's job for him and Draghi's job for him in uh, in taking their currencies down a little bit. And the other, the other thing too is, in some ways, you know, uh, if the Fed was worried about what the what reaction higher rates would have around the world in emerging markets, this is sort of testing that out right now. Yeah, um, it really is. Yeah, I mean, like if they raise two point five, we've already seen a nice bump up um, in in you know uh, in interest rates now, and and it's infecting the emerging markets. Yeah, Trump may have done Yellen's job as well. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll see whether the Fed follows through on interest rate hikes or as many as they had uh, intended in the dot plot as we look out to next year. You know, certainly still looks like a December move by the Fed, but the odds are a lot less than they were three, four days ago. One of the big, I think, unknowns for everyone is has to do with the Fed and, you know, how much their rate you know, setting policy is going to change. I mean, there's been talk. It's way too early to know anything. But undoubtedly, you know, even though, you know, he's not going to ask for a resignation, Jenny Yellen and, you know, the Fed are going to face a more hawkish administration and a more hawkish Congress. How does that affect their, you know, their rate policy going forward? Is Does it mean it gets sped up at all? I wish I knew. Yeah, I really, I, yeah. everyone does. I really don't know. The president, you know, we talk about often the president's impact on the Supreme Court. But gosh, what might be even more interesting and important in the near term is the president's impact on the Federal Reserve. The Fed, of course, uh, the uh, the president, of course, has the uh, the ability to uh, appoint many members, governors, um, to the Fed board, and then also the chair and the vice chair are, are part of uh, under the purview of the president as well. So, uh, interesting to see how that shapes up over time and how politicized the Fed gets in the near term. I don't anticipate a dramatic change uh, because the markets and the economy haven't. We'll have to watch initial jobless yeah. claims. We'll have to watch weekly retail sales. But over the longer term, we'll have to see where that goes. The market would not welcome a more politicized Fed in the U.S. That we can be pretty sure of. Okay. I, one, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about, it seems like a lot of the market prognosticators really, I mean, they got wrong who's going to win, but maybe that's not necessarily their job to figure it out. But, um, and the, but polls, also, the but polls got it wrong, too. The polls got it very <laughs> wrong, yeah. A lot of people got it wrong. <laughs> I got it wrong. Um, but... Um, I mean, one thing that's interesting is, is it seems like a lot of folks called wrong uh, uh, what the market would do in the event of a, tr- a Trump presidency. Um, and it seems like the fact that we've had this big rally has sort of proven proven a lot of folks uh, to, to, to have not called this right. And I'm curious why people thought one thing and why the other thing happened. And does that – does it even say something about whether uh, we could eventually get, you know, a big market decline – it's sort of in the way that people had predicted in the event? I don't know. I, I think maybe we're listening to the wrong people. I, as um, working for Schwab, Schwab, I get the opportunity to travel around the country and talk to a lot of individual investors um, at Schwab branches across the country. And what I was hearing from them, and, and actually we just did a survey post the election, and, and we did one pre and post, and what we found was that more than three quarters of investors feel like their portfolio is fine. It's going to weather this well. They don't need to make any changes to their portfolio. And that's interesting and kind of what I was hearing as I was traveling around the country, that 
Um, they have been really focused on things like regulation. Remember, rural America is run by small business. And red tape and regulation has been their number one beef for a long time. They see this as a favorable change. Don't know what it means, but they think it's a favorable change. They've spoken to me about a number of things that I was not hearing uh, on the coasts um, that I heard a lot from across middle America. And many of them, I think, are feel very comfortable and confident in their investment portfolios here and aren't making any changes. That, that's interesting. We had on the podcast uh, Blackstone's head legal counsel yes, um, last Friday, and one of the things he did talk about was we had, he was talking about regulation and that it really does affect the small businesses far more than the big businesses because they're the ones that the cost is can be prohibitive in many cases. And so, so I, you know, and I think one of the things that was one of why people might have not realized the market would have the reaction or you know that it did in some ways was. They weren't expecting both, you know, like the both the House and the Senate and the presidency. And that is really sort of I feel like it's this regulation clearing um, that I think has really sort of excited the markets in some ways and why you've seen the change. It's not just the fiscal stimulus or, you know, taxes. It's where, you know, uh, the complaint of business you heard you've heard a lot over the the last eight years was regulation. Yeah. It, you know, the National Federation of Independent Business here in the U.S. Do, does a survey of their members every month. It's a small business trade group. And the number one concern for a long time has been that red tape. And I think they um, look at this positively. And if that's a lot of the individual investors in this country, and, and, and that was their main issue and, and something that a lot of us maybe didn't hear as much about, um, that could be one of the reasons sort of underpinning this this market and the fact that we haven't seen the type of selling or, or, or the reaction that many had thought would come from a, a Trump sweep. Now, we were talking about this just before we went on the air, but there's also beyond this election, there's sort of some European elections coming up, um, the Italian referendum, uh, France. They're all going to go bad. They're all going to go crazy. (laughs) We we know now. (laughs) Um, I mean, what should investors be, you know, sort of expecting um, or, you know, how and what's the level of concern, especially after this one didn't, uh, you know, hasn't, uh, you know, both Brexit and this haven't played out to be quite the concern that everyone built them up to be. Yeah, the votes aren't over. So just to recap, on uh, on November 20th and 27th, so coming up, those are the French primaries. That's going to determine who's going to run against Marine Le Pen, sort of France's Trump, if you will, although that's not a great comparison. Not right. Um, but certainly uh, someone who's anti-EU and, and would look to maybe hold a referendum to leave the, the Eurozone and the European Union. Um, we've got the Italian referendum, the constitutional referendum, coming up on December 4th. That is not a vote. It's not a, a, an Italy-eve. It's not a, the Italy's right. version of Brexit. But it could be. There are a number of steps they could go down the road in that direction. Markets will be watching this closely. The, the impact of a real populist shift in Europe is, is far more striking to the markets than in the U.S., where it could cause a financial crisis if countries were to step back from the Eurozone. It would create a massive headache, debt problems in Italy, you name it. That could be the thing that tips the world into a global recession. Um, so we do need to watch those things closely. I don't mean to overstate their risk, but uh, you know the polls have told us that we don't really know what to expect. No. And think, it, oh, go ahead. No, oh, I was going to say, I think that also plays into this whole kind of looking beyond just this one election the the world hasn't really changed the state of the econ- the world economies haven't really changed just because the US election is over and i wonder how much of the market is getting ahead of that and forgetting maybe some of these 
secular issues that are going on. There, there are some secular risks that, that are much right, much bigger than just what we saw come out of this election. But there's maybe some positives as well. They're not secular. They're cyclical. The fact that we're finally seeing an earnings rebound after two years of an earnings recession. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see that pick up. And that may not be derailed by the trade policies or, or anything else. In fact, it might even be supported by some of, some of the policies by Trump. So that turnaround is important. So valuations may be affected by uncertainty and concern. But earnings themselves, the E in that P.E., might be on might be on the way up for the first time in a couple of years might help to offset some of those risks. What about just the sort of the sense of pulling back from the global community, not just here but around the world? Mm. I mean, you saw this in, you know, going back to the 1930s where tariffs were thrown up and there was a pullback from trade. Um, you know, what, uh, Trump's policies might not trigger that, but like if everyone, if, you know, this populist uprising we're seeing in Europe, the US, is there a risk to sort of trade across the world at this point? Sixty percent of world GDP is driven by trade across borders. So certainly more isolationism, if that means um, tariffs and non-tariff trade barriers, definitely a bad sign to the global economy. I think there are indications may not be that bad, right? Mm-hmm. I think everyone acknowledges that trade is so critically important. We may object to, um, uh, you know, concerns about jobs and incomes, but, you know, we sure like to cheap you know, buying some cheap stuff. And, yeah. and, and that's so important. You know, today is Singles Day uh, in in China, which is um, their version of Black Friday. Yeah. It's actually three times the size of Black Friday in terms of sales here in the U.S. The, the opportunity to sell to an emerging middle class in Asia is so important. And to throw up those barriers, I think you'd find a lot of business resistance to that. And I think uh, businessmen like Trump might have an ear to those people, and we might not see the type of uh, impact on trade that, that some might fear. And and you point out in your you know your paper this morning that Obama took a while to warm up to trade, and he's warmed up to it now. I mean, it, it's not unusual for what people sort of say on the mm-hmm. it's a great sort of sounding pitch on the stump, but that might not follow through in terms of really po- in terms policy. Exactly, and Trump has cited uh, some of the moves that Reagan made back yeah. in the '80s with with regard to Japan, who was the big threat at the time. And in some cases, some uh, tariffs were put in place for you know a short period of time, less than four months, and hundred percent on removed. electronics, right, or semiconductors. That's exactly yeah. right. And then you know just merely the threats of those things were caused uh, some other changes and, and voluntary uh, export restrictions to the U.S. on cars put in place by Japan to avoid certain threats. So I think a businessman like Trump might look at these as negotiating tools rather than an end in and of themselves. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Thank you very much, uh, Jeffrey Kleindop. My pleasure. uh, Chief Global Investment Strategist at Charles Schwab and Corey Adribush and Ben Eisen. We'll catch up to you later. Thanks. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.